Welcome to week number three in our series, Hashtag Struggles. Boy, that bumper's just painful to watch. Uh, it is for me because uh, I just know way too many people. That's like just a glimpse of 30 seconds of, of what's normally a 30-minute ordeal uh, for a lot of folks trying to get that perfect selfie. And, and that's really what this series uh, is all about. We're talking about some of these unique struggles that have come uh, not necessarily new, but they've been accentuated because of social media and, and technology that we have. And so we're calling this series Hashtag Struggles Following Jesus in a Selfie-Centered World. And, and uh, in the message this week, I want to talk about authenticity because there's something that's real easily lost when it comes to social media uh, and technology, and that is authenticity. Uh, selfies are really relatively new in the last... Uh, Oh, I don't know. I guess you'd kind of say 10 years or so. We didn't take selfies when I was growing up. Uh, not, not at all. No one tried to get like a 35 millimeter camera. And, and, and remember, you had to take the film out of the camera and then take it to some place to be developed. How, how old school is that, huh? Remember that? And, and how about in school? When I was in school, you had class pictures. Do you remember class pictures? Was that not the, no one wanted their picture taken. My generation anyway, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm 48 years old. Nobody wanted their picture taken. It, it was the one time, like when you're in grade school, when you had to like comb your hair, you, you know, and, and they would take your picture and you wouldn't find out till like three months later when the picture came, how it even looked. And especially, you get up in high school, you just pray, oh God, please don't let me have a huge zit on my forehead, you know, or, or something like that, because there's no retakes or anything like that. And, and so it's a, this, this whole idea of selfie and taking our pictures of ourselves, particularly when no one else is there, just picture, 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 till we get the absolute perfect one it is really a brand new uh, phenomenon and, and the old school picture, remember that? It used to define the entire year. You got like one shot at it, and it defined the entire year, and then that was the one, get in at high school, that's the one they put in the yearbook as well. So, so over the summer when everyone's like, hey, that Greg, well, he's pretty nice. Was it? Oh, no, he wasn't so nice after all. You know, you only got one shot at it. That's all there was to it. And, and now we've become a selfie-obsessed, really, uh, culture, and, and we filter and we work hard. We put different filters on to get the lighting right and to boost the, the uh, color and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and we work hard uh, to really give an image to people that is not lifelike. It's not reality. We, we've begun to really perfect simulating who we want people to think we are. When in reality, that's not really who we are at all. The more filtered that our lives become, the less authentic that we actually become. And it's like we've become obsessed with filtering, filtering, photoshopping. They have apps I, I, I'm aware of. I haven't used them, but can actually take years off your face. You can take weight off as well and post all these things. And, and so, so that we're, we've become experts at image management. Never been so connected as we are right now in terms of technology. And yet, really, we're losing a lot when it comes to authenticity. And what's shocking to me is preparing this series, uh, as I have been, and this particular message is this. The Bible has a lot to say about the importance of being authentic. 
our culture has a lot to say about try to be inauthentic. But God has a lot to say in his word about his followers should be genuine and authentic. Now, as I've said before in each one of these messages, don't get me wrong, this is not an anti-technology, anti-social media series. Uh, We love social media here. In fact, many of you, many in the Valley family are here today because of social media. Because they saw things that we, that we put on Facebook or something. i got to check this out. What is this church about? And so we've leveraged technology. Technology is not good. It's not evil. It's a tool. It can be used wrong. It can also be used for great things as well. So this is not a social media uh, bashing series at all. But there are some struggles that come as a result of it. And, and that's what we're trying to tackle week by week by week as we're talking about authenticity today. Let me put it this way. This is kind of the the big picture of this message. We're not who we are because of who follows us. We are who we are because we follow Jesus. That's what makes us who we are. We're not who we are because of who follows us, how many followers we have on Twitter or friends on Facebook or on Instagram, any of those things. We are who we are because we follow Jesus. He makes us who we are. And when we lose sight of that, things get really weird, really, really complicated, and really difficult, and we have hashtag struggles. A lot more. Major struggles today are caused by technology. Listen to this, pretty amazing. People are starting to fear and avoid unfiltered communication. Sociologists have have observed this, that people are beginning to fear and avoid unfiltered communication. In in other words, when the phone rings, when the cell phone rings, and we have one, and the person, we know who it is, and it even comes up on caller ID, we still don't answer because we want them to go to voicemail so we can see what it is that they want, and then we reply back with a text (laughs) because we want to completely control the communication. We want to even filter a dialogue, a conversation. I remember growing up again, dating myself a little bit, right over here, Lake Walton Road and Hopewell Junction, phone would ring. You had no idea who it was. And I remember my parents teaching each of myself and my siblings how to answer the phone. Do you know most millennials today, those born between 1980 and 2000, don't even know how to answer a phone that's not theirs? We had to answer the phone. Hello, Williamson residence. This is Greg speaking. How can I help you? See, and I know that sounds barbaric, doesn't it? Like, did you even have wheels? Uh, was, you know, things like there was electricity invented then? And, and then, then if someone said, uh, yes, my name is so-and-so, I'm calling for Russ Williamson, that was my father. I, uh, or they say, yes, I'd like to speak to Russ Williamson. I'd say, who's calling, please? But especially millennials, this is like growing more and more and more. The idea, I want to be able to control completely the conversation. And so text, and I'll think about how I want to respond to that one question, and in 10 minutes when I have the perfect response, then I'll respond back. Very inauthentic. And yet the scripture talks a lot about how important it is to be authentic. We've grown accustomed to being able to edit and to show our best self at all moments because of technology. 
creating online personalities, actually, that don't really reflect who we actually are uh, in, in real life, often different than, completely different than who we are in real life. There's an interesting word in the Bible. You may have heard it before, but you may not know what it actually means. In the original language, Greek of the New Testament, it's this word called the hypocrisy. Hypocrite. Do you know what a hypocrite is? This is the Bible definition. Hypocrisy is the Greek word hypocritus, and it means an actor playing a role. Wearing a mask to misrepresent reality. That's what a hypocrite is. Wearing a mask to really hide what I really look like or the person that I really am to misrepresent the reality of who I am. That's why we're calling this message, what you see is what you get. That's what it's supposed to be in the life of a Christian. What you see is what you get. Hypocrite, hypocrisy, the Bible says. And it's not supposed to be a part of our lives as followers of Jesus. An actor playing a role, wearing a mask to misrepresent reality. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands how many of you hide behind a mask right now even. Some of us hide behind a church mask because when we come into church, everything's wonderful. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed, just lost my job. <laughs> Don't know where I'm getting my next paycheck and about to run out of gas in my car, but I'm blessed. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Wearing the religious mask. Wearing the religious mask. I, I know a little bit about wearing masks. In fact, I know a lot about wearing masks. I, I, I had perfected my mask when I was a young man. Uh, let me just put it this way, you know, <clears throat> when, when I was in high school, captain of the football team, quarterback, all that stuff, name in the newspaper, all that, I, I just wanna, and I, I've, I checked to verify this before, before service, I, I wanna, by memory, and I have verification, share with you what someone wrote in my yearbook after my freshman year in college. This is how it started. Williamson. I'm in Bible college now. What can I say to the most arrogant, sarcastic jester I have ever met? I praise the day when something positive comes out of your mouth. Signed, Susie Warner. The woman I've been married to for almost 26 years now. She was just like, Phew. because one day my freshman year, we were having a conversation and I let her see behind the mask. And she knew that's not reality. Greg's a hypocrite. Because I was this, you know, had this swag and, and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and she knew that's not really who he is. And so I, I think I've grown, I hope I've grown that, uh, that I don't wear that mask anymore. But I, but I know a lot I, about, I was like a professional mask wearer. And maybe I'll share a little bit before the end of the message about why I chose wrongly to do some of those things. But see, here's, here's what happens when you wear a mask. Three things that happen when we hide behind masks. A pretense of uh, pretending we're something that we're not. When we hide behind a mask of Photoshop, 
First thing is this, you can't see others as they really are. When we hide behind a mask, you can't see others the way that they really are. It's hard to look out through those little holes. When we're so obsessed with, with maintaining an image that we want people to think who we really are, you can't see others how they really are. Second thing is this, you can't see yourself as you really are. You can't take an inside look about who, who you really are, who it is that God's really created you to be. Because there's so, so uh, much energy going into maintaining that image and that reputation that we want to have. Third thing that happens when we wear a mask is this, you can't see God as he really is. You can't see God as he really is. And if there's one thing I think God wants us to know as we're in this series, hashtag struggles, he wants us to get rid of the masks. And he's provided a way for us to get rid of those masks. Never before in history can we be connected to one another while hiding from one another at the exact same time. That's what technology has done if we don't use it the right way. We're constantly connected and we're constantly hiding at the same time because we're maintaining this image and hiding behind a mask. Listen, the only way to, if I could put it this way, the only way to live filter-free life is to live a life of faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And, and the life of faith is filter-free. Filter-free. And so I want to really encourage you, and then we're going to talk about how do, how do, we, how do we get rid of the mask. But, but first of all, just uh, there are four rewards of being real. God wants us to keep it real. And, and not in some sort of inappropriate way. But there's a time and a place for everything. I don't think on social media necessarily should we be just, just, you know, my husband and I are having a real marital fight right now. Please pray. I don't think that's appropriate. I don't think that's appropriate. But, but we need to keep it real. So four rewards of being real. Here's the first one. It's emotionally healthy to be genuine. It's emotionally healthy to be authentic, to be real. Maintaining an image of perfection requires an enormous amount of emotional energy. By the way, that's why so many of us are so stressed, because we're worried about what someone's going to think about me based on my next post, or about on a post that someone tagged me in. Now, don't y'all go tagging me in posts right now, because that's going to stress me out. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's emotionally healthy when we're just keeping it real. Being real and vulnerable, on the other hand, is liberating, it's freeing. In fact, it's really the only way to live life the way God created it, to be lived. Keeping it real, being real, being authentic. Look at James chapter five, verse 16. The Bible says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That we need, to, we need to open our lives and we need to pray for one and confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. I've said this before. I think it bears repeating. If we need forgiveness of sin, we need to confess that to God. If we need healing from what we've done, the Bible says confess it to one another. We've got we've to open up our lives and let people in and see the real us and be real. In fact, let me put it this way. Some faults won't budge until you confess them to someone else. 
We, 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 we won't be healed until we tell someone else, this is what I'm struggling with. This is my problem. This is where I'm failing. And the Bible says there's healing that comes with that. And so the first thing, the reward really of being real, is it's emotionally healthy. The, the, the second reward of, of being real is this, it's spiritually empowering. It's spiritually empowering when, when we are real with other people. James chapter four, verse six puts it this way, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the proud that are pretentious and hiding behind a mask, trying to impress everybody. God says, I'm opposing you. I have so many Christians that are always blaming the devil for everything. Maybe it's God who's opposing us because of pride in our lives. It's possible I'm sorry, it is impossible to live a life to the fullest without the grace of God. And how do we find the grace that we need? You only find it by humbling yourself. God does not give grace to the proud. He only does that to the humble. To those who are broken and contrite in heart. Those that are humble, God says, I'm gonna pour out grace upon you. Those that are proud, he's like, you're on your own. You're on your own. You want want to keep hiding behind a mask, a pretense, hypocrisy? I'd like to help you, but but God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Remember this. Pride prevents power. Pride prevents the power of God in your life and the power of God in my life. Pride's sin. And God says, I'm not gonna, my power, I will not give it on a proud person. It won't be flowing in a proud person's life. Here's the third uh, reward of being real. It's relationally attractive. That's that's like the really kind of crazy thing when you think about it. So much of technology is presenting this image, used in the wrong way, presenting this image. And, 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 and so we have all these friends, we have all these followers, and yet we have on, on, on social media, but we don't have any real relationships. Because the very thing that we're trying to project of we've got it all together is what's actually driving people away from us. Because when we're real, it's relationally attractive. It's relationally attractive. When you choose to throw out your masks and throw them away and we surprise people with authenticity, it's a real surprise in our culture for someone who just is like very genuine because we don't see it very often anymore. And and being real is actually the quickest way to really connect with other people, to to really uh, endear yourself to them. Think about it for a minute. We tend to love people that are real, that are honest, that are humble, that are authentic. And we tend to despise what? People that are deceitful, that are arrogant. And I had a PhD in arrogance when I was young. And that are hypocritical. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Look what the Bible says. We loved you. Paul's writing to the Christians in Thessalonica. We loved you so much... This is the Apostle Paul. 
that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. As you read through Paul's writing in the New Testament, he, he, he continually said, like, man, I'm weak. Not I'm strong, I'm weak. I'm, I'm struggling with this. This is difficult. He says, we shared our own lives with you too. Not just what we wanted you to see. Our whole life. It's an open book. See, here's the thing. When we share our strengths, just our strengths, it creates competition with other people. When we just share our highlight reel of all the great things we've done. When we share our weaknesses, it creates community. Really? Greg, you felt that way? You, you went through that? You, you experienced that yourself? And all of a sudden there's community that begins to form. Instead of competition, just the highlight reel. I'm always God's mighty man of faith and power for the hour. Nobody can touch that. Nobody can deal with that. Nobody can handle that. We need to let people know. And when we let people know our weaknesses, you know what? Community begins to form. And in essence, we're saying we're all in this together. We're all in this together. It's so important, I think, even for pastors. I know a lot of pastors always say, you, 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 and they're always pointing the finger. I try to say we. 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 Us. We're in this together. Be authentic and genuine. Pastors are some of the most lonely people in the world for this very reason, only showing people our strengths, not our weaknesses. The fourth uh, reward of being real is this. It's personally impacting. It's personally impacting to other people. Talk about just leadership, and we're all leaders in one way or another in the situations that we find ourselves in, the context we find ourselves in. Real leaders lead by example. <laughs> they never ask people to do something they aren't willing to do and haven't already done themselves. So if you desire that, uh, that your church or your family or the group that you're leading or the organization or the business or the team that you're coaching you want it to be a place where people are open. You know what you got? You got to be real about your weaknesses. This is one of the things that chokes the life out of families because mom and dad are not real with their weaknesses. And by the time the kids are teenagers, they see every one of those weaknesses. They do. But moms and dads keep hiding it, pretending like it's not there. And what it does is it oppresses any real conversation parent to child. This is so much in this whole idea of being authentic with one another. Being authentic. Personally impacting. Personally impacting. There's another reward. When it, we, we, we've got to like make the decision. <laughs> do we want to impress people or do we want to influence them? The way that we influence is being Authentic being authentic. That's how you influence people. If, if all we want is to impress, we'll keep hiding masks and we'll find new masks that'll make a greater impression. But there's something 
hypocritical about that. Any masks that we hide behind eventually cover our heart. That's the reality. We think it's just covering our face, or, or who we are, but they eventually harden our hearts. Any mask that we hide behind. We, we, we're developing and raising a whole entire generation that doesn't know how to actually just open up and be real because we become experts at hiding behind the mask of technology. Afraid to show who I am because hashtag you may not like the real me. You may not like the real me. We're so used to showing the fake self that, that we don't know who our real self actually is. The me that I want you to see is what we spend all of our time and our energy on. As we said last week, we're, we're living for likes and we're longing for love. Living for likes and longing for love. See, we can impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people when we share our weaknesses. That's where it really happens. It's at this point in the message that I would normally say, okay, here are two or three action steps of how we can do this, but there's only one action step to taking away the mask of hypocrisy. There's only one. And you know what the reality is? You, you don't have enough willpower or inner strength to do it on your own. You don't. I don't. That's what I had to learn. None of us really do. There's only one way that we can actually take the mask off once and for all. There's some practical things. We could, we, we could kind of be ourselves when we use social media, not Photoshop, not, not filter our photos or something like that. But you know what? There's still, there's such a tendency that I just want people to see the best of me and not the reality of me. So how can we remove the mask? One way. Only Christ can remove the mask. Only Jesus. Nobody else. Jesus is the ultimate mask mover. Remover. Only Jesus can. Look at this interesting verse. I want to read it and then I'll, I'll give you the context. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, But when a person changes and follows the Lord, that covering is taken away. The whole context here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 was this. Uh, it, it's, it's going back to the Old Testament, a story that happened when Moses went up on the mountain and God gave him the Ten Commandments and Moses came down and he shared with the children of Israel the Ten Commandments written with the very finger of God and, and it said that his face was glowing because he'd been in the presence of God. And, and they looked on Moses and they were actually kind of afraid of him. And, and he shared with them the Ten Commandments and then he did an interesting thing. Then he put a veil over his face. And it's really easy to misunderstand that. It was like, you know, Moses put it on for their benefit, you know, so they wouldn't be afraid of him and so he could still lead them. That's not what the New Testament says at all. Second Corinthians chapter three, I'll leave it for you to read for yourself. It says that Moses put a mask on, a veil over his face so that people couldn't see that the glory that was on his face was fading. In other words, Moses put a, a veil over his face so that people couldn't realize he was living on a past experience. He wanted everyone to think that he was just the same way he was when he came down the mountain. But the reality was, he wasn't. 
He had a veil. Then the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, starts contrasting that Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the, 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 the law of the Ten Commandments with the New Covenant in Jesus Christ. And he says, now we would unveil faces. We can, we can take the veil off. We can take the masks off because of Jesus Christ. When a person changes and follows the Lord Jesus Christ, that covering is taken away. We don't have to hide our true selves any longer. We don't have to hide what's really going on in our lives any longer when we follow after Jesus. When we turn to the Lord, we realize that we're secure in Christ. My identity is not in the likes that I receive on social media, but my identity is in his love. And that makes me secure, whether people like my post or they don't. When we're focused on following him, we're not worried about and overly concerned about who's following us. When a person changes and follows the Lord, that's the Bible word, when they repent, follow after Jesus, that covering is taken away. Like I said, I know what, I know what it is to wear masks. When I was a young man, I, my, my, I had horrible, horrible teeth just terrible teeth. My teeth were awful. Came in sideways, twisted, all, the, all kinds of stuff. I had one tooth came in the roof of my mouth. My parents couldn't afford braces until I got into high school. Not only that, my freshman year of high school, I broke my nose. So it wasn't bad enough that my teeth were all messed up. Now I had a crooked nose off to the side. And I had all kinds of nicknames that went along with it. <laughs> Every school picture when I was a little boy, I was smiling like this. I invented the duck face. <laughs> Every picture. When I would laugh, I'd go, because <laughs> I was so embarrassed that someone would actually get a glimpse of my teeth. I remember uh, got braces. They did a pretty good job with the braces. Still had some problems in college. Sophomore year, Susie and I fell in love, and, and I remember one time on a break taking Susie to meet my grandmother in Brunswick, Georgia. We met her at a restaurant, was, was where we decided to meet her, and she came walking in, was sitting down at the booth, and we called her Mamma. That was my grandmother's uh, affectionate name we had for her as grandchildren. And, and I started talking, and, and at one point, uh, Mamma said, hold on a minute. And, and she was pretty, well, she was not a refined woman, let me put it that way. And she said, Gregory, show me your teeth. And I smiled. And she said, Lord, have mercy. They sure do look a lot better than they used to. And like I'm, I'm introducing her to my girlfriend here for the first time. And she says, Susie, you should have seen his teeth. All mangled and twisted. Looked like a bear trap hanging out of his mouth. I was like, hey, thanks, Mama. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. I do. you know what? I just realized God made me the way he wanted me to be made. My nose is still crooked. You line my nose up with my teeth, I have one front tooth. <laughs> Everything's cockeyed. But you know what? This is the way he wanted me to be. God doesn't make junk. 
So God has healed my insecurity. Says, you know, the first few years we were married, I didn't even want to walk by a mirror. That's how bad I felt about myself. But it's the healing power of Christ in me. I don't have to worry about how anyone else thinks about me or feels about me. My wife loved me even before I had more work done. Now this sliding back, she still loves me. (laughs) See, the covering can be taken away and we can be real about those things because we're secure in Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That, that was what was so painful to me, that bumper of that girl just taking so many selfies, trying to get it perfect. It's just screaming of insecurity. I'm, I'm not secure. I'm not sure who I am. I'm trying to impress people. Instead of realizing the price that Jesus paid for me. Look what it goes on and says in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. The Lord is spirit. Now, some of you have heard this before, but you never knew the context of these verses. It's about being authentic. It's about being genuine. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom to do what? Freedom to tear away the veil. Freedom to be authentic. Freedom that I don't have to talk a certain way, dress a certain way, depending on what kind of building I'm in. I, I don't have to wear certain clothes because it's church time. I don't have to use certain words because I'm with Christians that I don't use other times, or vice versa. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Look at the next verse. Our faces then are not covered. There's no need for masks. There's no need for pretending that I'm somebody that I'm really not. There's no need for covering up. Our faces then are not covered. We all show the Lord's glory. And we are being changed to be like him. And he can't work with people that are pretending and acting a role and not being authentic, and not being genuine. And and so Jesus wants to tear that veil away, tear that mask away, set us free. And this change in us brings even greater glory to God, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. When we just allow Jesus and become secure, not in how many likes we have, but in the love that we have in him. And we just drop the masks and we say, God, this is who I am. I'm not pretending any longer. And I'm going to be real. And I'm going to be real with you, Lord. And I'm going to be real with people. And and when I'm struggling, and when I'm failing, and when I'm falling, I'm going to come clean. I'm going to talk with someone. I'm going to let them in. Again, you you hear it a lot in this church because it works. This is why we have small groups. Because we can't be real with everybody in a big, huge group. 
but you can with a small circle. Even Jesus was real with his disciples on the night he was betrayed. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, now my soul is greatly troubled. Greatly troubled. And he shared it with his circle of friends. And if the Son of God felt it was that important to be that real with people, I I, I just think for us that are human, he wants us to be that real as well. Because he was. And so let me ask you a couple questions tonight. What struggles and weaknesses do you need to share with somebody else? And share it real soon. What progress have you made in certain areas of your life that someone else could learn from, but you're keeping it from them? Do you realize you may be holding the healing in your hand through what you've walked through that someone else desperately needs? But we're too worried. What are they going to think of me? Hide behind my mask. What are you currently learning? What am I currently learning, especially from my failures? I think every Christian should be able to answer that question just at the drop of a hat. What is it you're currently learning? What is it you're currently walking through? What is it that God is currently teaching you? Maybe it's just simply this today. I need to drop the masks because my life is not nearly as perfect as I'm pretending that it actually is. See, we're not who we are because of who follows us. We are who we are because we follow Jesus Christ. That's what makes the difference. And and that's where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom to allow that veil to come off. And we don't have to hide behind the mask any longer so that we can truly live authentic lives. What you see is what you get. I am who you think I am. And I'm not someone else that I'm hiding behind a mask. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, right now in this moment, we thank you for your presence that's here. And Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here that wants to heal us. Heal us from hypocrisy from playing roles, from hiding behind masks. And God, we pray that just as your word says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That your Holy Spirit right now would touch our hearts. And Lord, that we would begin to realize, really, how much you love us and the great lengths that you've gone through to love us through sending your son, Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life, that he died a sacrificial death as our substitute, and he rose again, and he did it all for love. Lord, help us to begin to rest securely in his love so that we can be open, we can be honest, and we can be real and authentic with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen.